Hello, and welcome to Music 101. I am your host, Scubert Dubert. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a track breakdown, a production breakdown of a song that I just dropped last Friday called A Song to Quit Your Job To. And so let's jump right into it. I want to talk about some of the sounds that I got going on in this project, then apply it to some of the things we've talked about already in Music Appreciation 101. So to start, I want to talk about the synth stem, the synthesizers. And uh, here's what it sounds like. This is in that intro section that we just listened to. There's a choir and a flute. But obviously they're like a little otherworldly. They're not exactly uh, just like a standard, like I had a choir come into my studio and um, sing. It's like, no, this is this is something a little bit weirder. And it's using a tool called a Mellotron. Mellotron is one of the first um, like synth-like tools that musicians had at their disposal. And this is obviously a virtual version of that. I don't have the tens of thousands of dollars that it requires to maintain one of these relics, these awesome things. But what exactly is a Mellotron? What does it do? It is a sampler, essentially. It's something that you you press down a key, and then it's going to play back a um, tape recording of, like, say, a choir. So record the choir, and then you'll press the button, and it'll play a recording of that choir singing, say, a C note. And so that's kind of cool, right? It, you know, it's it's the the precursor to everything digital. And so that's why I kind of like bringing it back into my music that is, you know, fundamentally digital and laptop based. That's like, hey, we've got this, this thing that's familiar, um, but is warped. And it's being brought into this, you know, sterile digital space. And then from there, I add in even more, you know, modulation, um, changes of pitch uh, by, by using additional uh, emulations is what it's called, but additional virtual versions of tape machines on top of the already you know, recorded to tape sound. So like, that's all good and all, but why am I doing that? So why, why don't I just, you know, use like a really clean sample library that, um, somebody might use if they're a film composer, there are plenty of those things on the internet. I could go buy one and whatever, use that instead of a Mellotron that is inherently flawed in some way. So that goes back to episode one, I think, of Music Appreciation 101. And what I was talking about, the kind of like central idea of that, what are notes? My concept is basically whatever you want them to be. Um, Like it doesn't, a note doesn't have to be 440 hertz. It's just kind of like we decide on that in the same way that grammar doesn't have to be the way that it is. Anybody that knows a bunch of different languages is like going to flip their head around for grammar because there are different frameworks and different rules that you're operating within. All of that to say, I'm trying to do that in my music where it's like taking pitch and then making it a little bit more flexible. And I think that it gives like an emotional punch to it as well that is simultaneously comforting and unsettling. And I really like that, that mix of like, this song is a chill song, but it's also is like a somewhat uncomfortable song, but that's like what the whole meaning is like, quit your job so you can be free. That's like free to do what? Yeah, you know, I'm not going to really get there. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do with kind of just something as fundamental as pitch. So li- listen again to these um, synths. I'll pull up like the second chorus 
which I think might just be exactly the same, and listen to this, and then um, you'll hear like the way that the pitch is changing and warbling. A little different. You hear it's like ducking down the volume. It's like not steady. So what what that's doing is that's interacting with the kick drum. Obviously, the kick drum isn't here, but um, that that's like what it's doing is it's creating room. It's called side chaining, creating room for that kick drum to really push through and punch, which I really like because that's a blend of a very modern kind of technique. Older people like, you know, Pink Floyd did it too, but um, it's considered, you know, a modern sound to have the kick drum really present and cut through things. Plus this very vintagey sounding warbled, you know, tape uh, saturated thing, um, going on at the same time. So yeah, two kind of contrasting, uh, feelings, which is why I, uh, named this upcoming record Koan, because it's essentially is trying to capture a lot of those apparent, um, strange bedfellows or like things that are contradictory in nature, but actually work really well together or, um, questions that, you know, should be answered, uh, but, also not at the same time, that kind of stuff. So with that, let's talk about the bass part. So the bass um, is, I tried, like I, I might've gone too far, but I was trying to add energy because this song's like very chill and it's pretty slow. I think it's like 72 be- beats per minute. Yep. And because of that, I wanted the bass to kind of keep the momentum going because if you're in this like super chill space, it's it's easy to get bored or tune out or like not really focus on the music so i wanted the bass to be that instrument that's like propelling us ahead so like listen for that in that so kind of like a jamber jamerson thing super round and like also a little little sloppy um but like you you hear like there's a ton of fatness and warmth to it which is why i'm trying to like pull out and then I have these phrases in the verses marked with another which is like you know we've we've looped back around um most music is in you know steady fours and so it's like hey we've we've arrived again um and then the bass drops in for the chorus to be like hey we're really arrived Kind of a James Jamerson thing, but like a little stonery, like a little looser. But here, there's like a lot of syncopation. The bass is trying to dance with the rest of the music. That's what I like to think of it when I'm layering in parts. And here, like that, these little like pauses, I think they add, you know, drama. And then another big pause here. I, I like that. I think it, you know, it creates creates like a certain tension. All right, that's enough bass. Um, but yeah, it, it creates like a certain tension to the whole thing that um, I think that a really chill song sometimes needs. Not always, but if you're if it's pretty slow and there's not a ton going on i mean this is not a very dense arrangement in terms of like a bunch of bells and whistles kind of flying at you um like probably the most complicated thing was what i just showed you um first with the synth stem like that's you know but there's not even like a lot there it's just complicated in terms of the timbre 
the sound and the pitch. Um, so let's let's go to like what the heart of this thing is. Um, and it, it's a basically is a guitar part that I, I improvised. So I got a really cool um, lo-fi guitar pedal and I am just loving this thing. And it's bringing out something, you know, new from inside of me. It like really, I feel like it favors finger picking, which is, you know, using your fingers instead of a pick. And I don't normally play like that. So it's it's kind of like bringing something new out of me as somebody that's been a very pick focused player. Um, and so like, I, I don't know, I think that, I think that finding, finding a new tone or a new way of um, expressing yourself on an instrument opens up these different like compositional angles. Um, so like every, every single time I try and do like a new record. So this is the first song of this whole album cycle. You'll see it in the artwork and the sounds and the uh, just overall mixing picture, all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to keep it cohesive. Um, but I, I try and get something new to start every cycle. It doesn't have to be very expensive. This pedal is probably 150 bucks or something. So it's like, you know, it's not cheap, but it's not crazy. Um, I try and get something that can be like an anchor for a new creative, um, exploration. And sometimes it'll take me a few times, you know, I might get a pedal, sell it, get another pedal, sell it, and find the one that is like the guitar identity for a record. And the same thing, like everything for, um, mixing for like finding plugins, little bits of software, usually again, like not spending a ton of money. It's trying to find something very unique that can be a stamp on something in the same way that that, that, that Mellotron plug-in that thing is living in a lot of different places on this upcoming record because it's just it's like a stamp you know it's it's something that helps the whole thing have identity and I've also used it actually speaking of that I used that on um, my friend Scubert which is my I think my first or second song that I released so um, the Mellotron has been like kind of a steady through line for this whole project so anyway all of that to say I got a new guitar pedal. I really like it. It's bringing something new out of me. Um, this song is pretty much just chord in an improvisation to a drum beat. And so I want to play the guitar and just kind of talk over it. Um, you'll notice that there are two guitar parts. Um, there are actually a few guitar parts, but there are two main guitar parts uh, in each ear. And then there's some melodies and stuff like that. But uh, check them out. I, I like, again, to think of it like dancing, especially for improvisation-based compositions. I like to think of it like you have a certain like central theme and vibe and then you use each of those instruments as identities to have a conversation with each other and dance with each other. So in the way that the bass do it is like doing this funky thing, the guitar is playing against it. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it's like building a virtual band in your own head and trying to anticipate what if there were a bunch of yous in a room, what you would be doing against each other. Um, and that's only possible when you play in a lot of bands. So, um, hopefully I'm accomplishing that, but here is the guitar stem, um, of this song. So it starts with the little melody, all using the same pedal and some reverb and stuff. This is me. This is me actually with a pick this time. <laughs> I'm contradicting myself, but yeah, a lot of the stuff I'm doing with this pedal, I'm doing finger picked. But this main part is with a pick. And this is me just kind of noodling, finding some chords, and I liked them. <laughs> That's it. 
That's how you you can go faster when you don't when you improvise. Get out of your own way. It's kind of like a Jimi Hendrix thing at its core. Do you hear it? It's it's basically what I'm doing. It's Jimi Hendrix against each other. And then returns that melody. All, all of this is guitars. And here are the guitars are kind of like giving that pulse. It's like like a little bit shaker-like in that chorus because like it's filling in more of the rhythm. The guitar is like a big, a big part of why the bass is able to dance around it is that the guitar is like staying fairly steady. Here's a big moment, just like in I Love Money, where everything tucks in. I roll off some of the high frequencies, make some more lo-fi, and it allows you to explode into the next chorus. Boom. You know, contrast. I'm just going to play this out because it's not super long. You hear how it feels loose? That like that. There's a certain vibe that improvising gives you. And it makes you go fast because it's just like you. It's just what's in your soul. Like you can sit down and like really think through a guitar part or you can just like play stuff. <laughs> And it all kind of wraps back around with this little melody. And we'll get to that whole thing in a second. But um, yeah, playing with pitch, playing with pitch. That's that's like, honestly, I think that's the core of this next record from like a whatever this is, music appreciation world. I'm playing with pitch and I'm playing with space. I'm doing a lot of stuff with the spatial audio, binaural audio, stuff that's around your head rather than just to each side of your ears um that's that's this koan record in a nutshell so um before i get into kind of like what that means and that's going to be a whole pot on itself i want to talk about the drums um and then we can talk about that outro section because i think that's like another nod to kind of what i'm trying to do uh with all of this music moving forward um for this like whole cycle is like trying to take you to a new world i'm trying to build a new world and i want to like hang out in it and make it interesting and pleasurable and like kind of like you know how i was talking about um musical traditions informing things like pitch or harmony or rhythm um i'm trying to kind of like digest all of that and then see what comes out in terms of like what would be my musical tradition or like you know like how do you how do you sum all of that up to invent something somewhat new but still familiar that's exactly the needle that i'm trying to thread that sounds like a koan too right uh, you know a koan is something that uh like implicitly makes sense and doesn't make sense at the same time that's something that helps lead you towards a greater truth because it's like apparent absurdity um and so i'm trying to do that in terms of like this sonic and compositional compositional uh world building so with all of that here's like some fairly basic drums <laughs> yep trying to play with the space in between rhythms too like where the hi-hat is positioned there's like electronic drums but sometimes i try to make them unsteady like jay dilla 
All right, so this is just gonna be cruising for a while. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I wanna mention is listen to how the snare drum doesn't have a lot of the top end information. It's rolled off. So it gives you more of that like less harshness and then more room to explode and more room for like the vocal and stuff like that to sit on top of it. Here are the, um, the hi-hat. Here, let me pause this for a second how the hi-hat um, in that previous section sounds kind of like it's in a room or it's further away. Let's listen to that again. It's that little upbeat that I'm talking about. Let me try and isolate it here. Hear that? Yeah, so that, that hi-hat, it's like in a space instead of just being on its own. So that's one of the things I'm trying to play with too is like, like that, what do I say by, what do I mean by world building? It's like, it's, it's everything from the way that pitch is being transmitted to the space that you're in, in terms of like room, delays, uh, like the way that your head feels in terms of shape. It's, I know that all of this is kind of like weird stuff, but I'm trying to communicate as clearly as possible the goals, the very esoteric goals that I'm trying to accomplish here. I'll get like deeper into more of these things in later podcasts that'll be, you know, a little bit maybe more understandable. But um, this is what I'm trying to do in my music right now with, you know, the tools that I've got. So I'm going to do my best to explain kind of <laughs> you know where I'm headed. So let's get back into these drums. Got a ride cymbal now. And you hear brightness has entered in to the picture. So helping to like point out to the listener, hey, this is a chorus, this is the thing to remember. Do you hear how the snare sometimes has reverb and sometimes doesn't? It's like dry, reverb. You know, playing with stuff like that. Now here comes a little vinyl crackle. This is the I'm not going to work, not going to work. Gives, it gives it that like feeling like things have evolved, but all I did is add in some vinyl crackle. But now listen, it's gone. It's like that contrast, those contrast moments are huge for me because it can be so subtle and so small, but they can have a real emotional punch of like suddenly there is noise and crackle, and now it's so tiny and dark and far away for the hi-hat. It's kind of cool, right? I don't know. I think so. <laughs> Hear, hear that hi-hat suddenly get brighter in anticipation of the chorus? I like stuff like that. I don't know if anybody's going to notice, but now you do, because I'm breaking it down for you. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, this is the, these are the drums. It's just going to kind of groove on this for a little while. Let's just fade that out nice and slow off into the distance. Um, I'm not sure if there's really anything to listen to the vocal, but why not? Let's, uh, let's pull up the vocal and, and see. It's always a little bit embarrassing listening to yourself a cappella, but... Let's do it. Um, I think it starts off with like a pitched vocal alluding. I'm not gonna work another day here. It's kind of alluding to that main hook. Um, it's got a little hiss on that vocal too because I'm running it into a tape machine. Um, but you know, for a lo-fi chill kind of song, I think hiss is really important to make it feel right. Give me one good reason I should stay here. All right, here, here, how the vocal is is rolled off, just like how I was doing with the drums. Like everything's rolled off, but then that gives you more room to uh, get brighter as the song evolves, which I think is cool. And also, it's like think about where it's at, like emotionally. So this first verse is me talking about, 
you know, being trapped in a corporate job like we all are. Um, and it's, and it's like saying like, there is a hierarchy of power. There are all these things that make me feel more dark about life. And so it's like, why don't we reflect that also in the EQ curve? Dark. Working every weekend, I'm a die here. Probably wearing company attire. 40 years till I retire. My boss say want us in the office. L- little vocal harmony. At home, yeah, he really cannot trust us. He come my hourly to cover losses. And there's three part vocal harmony. And then like, I've been, that's been one of the things that I'm trying to do for this record too. And I did it in I'm, I'm an idiot and, um, people seem to enjoy it and I've enjoyed it too. It's fun. Like writing, I'm writing vocals, uh, vocal harmonies in a new way, which I will share here. Um, so I, I started to write them in Melodyne. So what I would do is I take my vocal, I don't, I tune my vocals, but like not super intensely um, and not all the time, but uh, you know, decent chunk of them I'll, I'll like nudge into place a little bit here and there, try and keep it human. But then on top of that, I will, create an artificial vocal through you know like like auto-tune but it's all by hand where you take every single individual um syllable and you put it where where you want it and so i started doing that and that kind of opened my brain up into vocal harmonies that i wouldn't have not normally thought of just as a singer i'm thinking of it as a almost like a like i'm writing in music theory class or something Um, but in a cooler, (laughs) you know, that sounds lame, but like in a cool way, like, like basically it's like, I'm thinking of it like I'm drawing, okay, this is better. Like I'm drawing MIDI notes, um, in a piano roll. So if you've ever done that, like you can just literally click and it like you, you drop the note on a grid and then it'll play it through. Um, you can do that like in garage band and stuff like that. So it's, it it like kind of reframes my thinking into that world. And then I get new ideas out of it in the same way that I was talking about, um, the guitar pedal, bringing out new ideas. It's like a new workflow that um, brings out a new side of your creativity. So doing this in Melodyne has been doing the exact same thing for me where it's like, I obviously I like, these are singable parts, but the act of writing them in a computer rather than writing them as a singer um, opens up new horizons. So it also opens up new abilities to be fast and to stack things and build things in a like retroactive way, even if I don't have a microphone on me. Then flipping it all the way around, a lot of times I'm starting to sing them now. So I'll write them in the computer and then I'll sing them for real, for real. Um, I think I did half and half on this. So let's listen to it. Push into the chorus with more vocals. I'm not gonna work another day here. Yeah, so this is actually sung. Yeah, this is all sung. But the harmonies. No, that was all sung. Um, but the harmonies in the verse, those ones are um, melodyne. So it's kind of cool. It's like, it, like it, that's another texture, right? Like, it, like I was talking about how you can take away and bring back in the, the high end. You can also do things like I'm doing where it's, you have melodyne harmonies, these artificial in the box harmonies that I'm writing still, you know, by hand, but whatever, um, in the verse. And then as soon as the chorus hits, now you have like all the air and brightness and goodness that comes from actually singing it rather than having the computer 
do it. It just sounds different. Both sound good. I just think it's fun that, like, I don't know. I'm trying to explore vocal harmonies in a way that's, like, <laughs> like, not not a typical harmony that you would expect in a situation. Uh, more like a vocoder, if you know what that is, than a backing vocalist. Yeah. Nah, nah. No, I'm not gonna work now. <laughs> I'm deleting all of your apps from my phone. No outlook at teams. Yeah, you leave me alone. That's all Melodyne. So those are the artificials. This too. It sounds a little different. Can you can you hear? And then we'll get to the chorus. It'll be real vocals again. I'm not gonna work Real. Here it's like brighter. I, made him a I know that like I'm also bringing in <laughs> a bunch of EQ, but just fundamentally the Melodyne versus the Real. A little three-part harmony. And I'm trying to like... Sorry, it's hard to talk over this at the same time. The vocals on vocals. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to go between like three-part harmony and then just perfect fifth harmony. So like, like things that like a power chord that feel a little bit more hollow. So it's like that feeling of going in between thick and hollow is what I'm trying to achieve with these uh, vocal part writing techniques. Nah, nah. I'm not gonna work, not gonna work. Nah, nah. All right, so that's, that's enough vocal. Um, so basically, I think that the crux of what I'm trying to get at is, yeah, I'm using like a bunch of things throughout here. Like we, let's just recap. I was talking about the, you know, rolling off high end or using Melodyne versus real vocals or new guitar pedals and doing like Jimi Hendrixy things in new ways or a dancing James Jamerson bass uh, that's kind of waltzing with, waltz is a bad word, that's like grooving, um, syncopated with everybody else. Or like I was talking about with pitch. Uh, in the Mellotron, you know, combining the vintage sound with the modern sound. Like all of these things are techniques, sure. But like what I'm really trying to get at is the why behind reaching for those techniques. We all kind of have the same tools. It's just like knowing when to use those tools. That's what defines you as a producer, whatever, artist, whatever, is, you know, like, or songwriter, you're going to reach for this thing to get something out of you. So like when I'm talking about vocal harmonies, you have a three-part harmony, three vocalists, or a two-part harmony, two vocalists. They give a very different feeling to me um, that's like thickness versus hollowness, uh, depending on the notes that you're choosing. And it gives like a different emotional punch if you have something that's highlighted as a three-part harmony, and then it cuts down to a two-part harmony. So like, I'm not going to work, not going to work. That's the big like three-part. There's things going on. Nah, nah, two-part. That's like, it's, that's supposed to like break down to the like childhood playground taunt kind of thing. So that's, so it gets simpler. It gets more hollow. It's not a big statement of, you know, freedom. It's a, 
Nah, nah. <laughs> you know? Okay. One last thing before I let you go. I want to talk about the very end of the song. So here it is. Let's listen to it and then I'll talk about it a little bit. This is just the instrumental. So doing lots of fun stuff there. Um, Almost too much to go step by step on, but let's talk about the why of what I'm doing. So one of the things I'm trying to think of is the open and the close of the curtain for a song. So I wanted this, this song because it was like slow to get even slower (laughs) and to like, melt and so i like with that goal i did a bunch of stuff to try and make that happen with distortion with width with um i did some stuff with like binaural reverbs so stuff that's like the if you heard spatial audio stuff that's around your head rather than just in your two ears it's like you know it's faking faking you out to feel like stuff's behind you did a little bit of that um and then also like playing with the way that the low end feels the way that things decay, the way that pitch decays. And then one of my favorite things is at the very end, if you listen really closely, it goes like this kind of like weird sound. That's it decaying into a low quality MP3. And like, so this is something that I'm going to be doing a lot on, that I have been doing a lot on Koan, um, which like I was saying, is that next record? Probably, I think it's coming out in September, uh, but we'll be, I'll be releasing a bunch of stuff on Beformer um, between now and then. Um, but one of the things to listen for is the lo-fi-ness of the 2000s Napster LimeWire era. I was more LimeWire, um, RIP my parents' computer. I'm so sorry. But from that era, if you, if you ever like illegally downloaded music, which for uh, legal purposes, I never did, um, <laughs> never used cracked plugins either. Never. I do. And for the record, I definitely do not anymore. And I never did. Anyway, um, the the MP3 sound. You know what? Let me just show you. I'm going to put it on my vocal right now, and then you can hear what it sounds like on, on a human voice as it decays. Here I am with my vocal, and I'm going to be running it into some tools to degrade the audio, specifically in the MP3 style of way. There are a bunch of different ways to degrade audio, all of which I like because I like lo-fi, hi-fi combinations. But as you can tell, you probably can't really understand me very much anymore because I'm turning into a digital cloud, and that's awesome. And I said, I'm turning into a digital cloud, and that's awesome. Because it is awesome to me. You know, any anything that at some point sounds bad, in the future, it'll sound like that time. So vinyl, like vinyl noise and dirty um, needles, like dusty new needles. Super cool. I have a plugin that does that. I've also recorded it, you know, big fan. Uh, MP3 sounds is a great example. Another great example is like digital reverb or digital breakup. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing right now is clipping. So the, the act of driving something way too loud, you hear that a lot in hyperpop now, and it's actually pretty cool. It sounds like super futuristic and modern. It also sounds terrible, but it also sounds great because it sounds specifically terrible. Um, same thing with uh, uh, cassette cassette sounds. I use cassette stuff all the time and like specifically degraded cassette stuff like with 
bad heads and, you know, like messed up tape that you've recorded on 15,000 times, that has a vibe. And that's what I'm going for, especially when we have this like pristine digital world that we're able to populate with audio and visuals and all this kind of stuff. There's, there's just a beauty in the contrast. And that's what I'm trying to preach at, I guess, with all of the stuff that I'm doing right now. And what I'm trying to kind of sum up here is we like eclipse 30 minutes, which I did not expect to talk that long about a song that's like two minutes and 30 seconds. But it's kind of like I'm trying to give you the MO of where I'm at production wise. It's like find, find the contrast and then find the why and the emotional response you're looking to get out of the music and then look at your tool bag rather than the other way around. Rather than like looking like, I got this cool new trick. I got to find a place to use it. Um, I know that somebody might hear the outro of the song and be like, ah, oh, he's just doing production-y things. It's like, no, there are, I did all of that stuff for a purpose that I predefined before I just started like doing things to audio, if that makes sense. And it's okay if it doesn't completely read to everybody, but it makes it like feel um, robust enough for me that I can feel like, you know, feel like I can defend it and think it's like, no, that's a cool choice because I was trying to do something and in my mind I did it. Whether or not everybody gets it, I don't care. And with that, that's a song to quit your job to. So I hope you're doing something um, in your life that makes you very happy. And if not, I hope you do something to change that. Um, and I also recognize that, you know, we all have to do stuff we don't want to do. But maybe someday soon we can all quit our boring jobs and do our fun jobs. And hopefully I can do that too. Here's hoping. Scoobert Dubert, out. But first, scoobertdubert.pizza. Scoobertdubert.pizza has got all sorts of links and stuff like that. And you're going to see a music video for this pretty soon. So stay tuned and uh, bookmark scuberduber.pizza for all the good stuff. Later. Bye.